If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, with a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. And don't take our word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's Hemp Balm, a topical pain reliever. That's just one of their many great non-THC products. Try out Elixinol today and get 5% of your purchase going to a nonprofit, uh, and they'll ship it straight to your door. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure Zach like fell in love with some Greek cats. <laughs> and is never coming back. Uh, no, just kidding. I think he'll be back on the podcast on Wednesday um, as he returns from his awesome vacation on Tuesday. So I'm sure that uh, Henry and I will get that done tomorrow, and then Zach will make his return, a triumphant return on the day, that re- the unofficial begin of training camp, and I guess that's where we'll start. It is training camp week. Um, I saw someone today, I don't know, some national sports person say, this is the most boring week of the year in sports. And I was thinking like, not here. No, definitely not here. There's finally a lot going on with football. We've been trying to fill these podcasts with nonsense for a few weeks, (laughs) but, but now there's actually football to talk about and players to break down and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah. And I guess let... I want to start with a national football topic um, before we get into some direct Broncos talk here. And we are going to get into a little bit of a a training camp, more preview style thing here in the second half of this segment. But Henry, last week, I believe after we had recorded our last pod of the week, the news came out that the NFL owners have proposed – a scenario to the NFLPA 
of an 18-game schedule, which we know that's been on the table for a long time here. They want more games. But here's the catch, and here's what really makes it sound dumb. The players would be uh, regulated and forced to only play in 16 games. Yeah, so basically if you're the Chiefs, you have to pick two games where you don't play Patrick Mahomes and everybody else on the roster, which is just its just dumb. I mean, if, if you think about it, like, are, does anybody want to go to a game where you don't know that the best players are playing? You know, because if, if you think about going to a Bronco game, if they all miss however many games it is, I mean, one of Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris Jr., Phil Lindsay, Emmanuel Sanders, like two other top guys, one of them isn't going to be in. Wouldn't? I guess this just brings, like, for conversation's sake, it brings up some interesting strategy. Wouldn't you, because if, if, if this were me, this is what I would do. Just two schedule losses. Two where I'm just saying, we're going to lose these games. Um, we're going to have to start our backup quarterback anyway. So we're going to throw in the towel on two games and rest all of our starters. But, so, so I, I, I like that, but... If if those two games, say you play the Patriots in Week Four and the Chiefs in Week Five, may, maybe those are the two games you throw. What if Joe Flacco gets hurt in Week Fifteen and you have to start a backup anyway, and you've already used the two games that you've had or that you had to start once? Now you you just kind of wasted a game of Flacco. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think you can look at it that way though, because like if you're planning for injuries. Be, the reason why is because let's say you haven't rested Flacco and it's week 17 of 18 and you, cause you thought he might get injured, but now he's not injured and you're fighting for the playoffs and you have to rest your quarterback the last two games of the season. Yeah, it's scary, but I mean, every game counts the same. Like, like if, if you could just get as many wins as you could early, yeah, I mean, that's the, it's the safe route. No, 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 no. Because you have to know what you're getting into at the end of the season. The end of the season uh, is when you have the most knowledge of where you stand. Yeah. But and you're going to have an advantage over the teams that said, like, oh, well, let's just try and win as many as we can early and then rest our starters before the playoffs. I mean, you would have that advantage. So, like, if you're, if you're the, the Patriots early. and you know that you're going to be in the playoffs, you probably do do it that way. You yeah. would just play Tom Brady the first 16 games – and then rest him at the end because you already have a playoff spot locked up. Do you think – would you be scared? I mean, if you're the Patriots, you probably get a bye in the first round. You don't have Tom Brady playing in week 18 or 17. Is he too rusty? 19. Yeah. Is three weeks off too much? Because that yeah, I think that's what I'd be more scared of. So the, the, the strategy part of this would cause for interesting discussion. We'd be sitting here some point during the offseason saying, okay – Let's look at the schedule. Which are the games that they need to schedule loss? Or, you know, are you going to have the coaches who say, oh, we're just going to spread it out. So week one, Vaughn Miller's out. Week two, Emmanuel Sanders out. Week three, Joe Flacco's out. Week four, Philip Lindsay's out. However it, may, however it is, it would be really interesting. And the people who lose out most here, Henry, the fans. Yeah. Because... Now you're – so I think the, the way they would mandate it is that you have to announce it at the beginning of the week. Yep. Who you're resting. Because um, fans deserve to know. But let's just say 
you know, everyone's really excited about the Browns game this year. I have a friend who has season tickets, and they were kind of they split up the season tickets between three couples, I think. Yeah, and right. like the game that was most in demand was the Browns game. Everyone wants to go see Broncos Browns, which I understand. But what if the Broncos just decide that's our game? That's our game. Like everyone's super excited for this, and they decide, you know what? That's the game that we're gonna rest all of our starters, and so then it becomes this this uh, a preseason game in the middle of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just dumb. That's all it is. It's just gimmicky. What it, about Monday Night Football? What about if the Broncos are playing the oh, Chiefs on Monday Night Football, oh. and they just like like deep down they're like we're gonna lose to the Chiefs, so they decide you know what let's just take a schedule loss and. They rest all starters, and Monday Night Football is a 43-0 to zero blowout. That's not good for the league. No. No, what I mean. So they, is there going to be, uh, like, language written underneath this that's, like, you can't, you can't rest any of your 10 best players on primetime games? The whole thing is just stupid. That's all it is. I mean, to, to say you have to rest guys two games, that's just silly. It, I mean... It, Load management, it's baby. A, it's just a bad bad regulation to have you know what they would end up doing is they would write in in like some fine print like players do have the option to override this and then obviously every player is gonna say Uh, i want to play when push comes to shove yeah i yeah yeah i mean i just i can't it's just like voluntary workouts they're not really voluntary Uh unless you're in a contract dispute yeah i mean i don't think you could put that language because like even in contract negotiations like, say you're talking to a free agent, the coach is going to say, or GM is going to say, well, are you going to play? Or, like, I, I know last year you sat out your two games. Is that going to happen again? And that will devalue the player. Yep. And so, true. I mean, by letting them play, it would just cause even more problems, and everybody would end up playing. And they say that the average lifespan of an NFL player is something like 3.2 years right now. And if you play three years, you become a vested veteran, which means you get benefits. Yep. If they change it to an 18 game schedule, that moves the av- that will move the average length of a career to 2.8 years, which means the majority of players will not get vested. Yeah, which is except, dirty. Except that the roster would be bigger. I'm sure this would come with an expanded roster. Right. So, so like you go from 53 to 56. That's it. I don't, I don't know. What's the difference between what's the percentage difference between 16 and 18? Oh, I guess because you're also sitting players. That's the thing because, I mean, if you have 53 guys on the roster. It's like 10% more, so you would need about five more players. Yeah, you're, you're sitting like two or three guys a game. No, it's, well, it's probably three, three guys a game. That's another thing. You couldn't rest all of your starters in one game. Well, I guess you could. You rest 22 guys. Yeah. And then you'd be, be playing with thin. the 40-man 40, 40 roster. I don't know. I, nothing would make me feel as dumb, though, as like – resting Phil Lindsay in week three of the season and then having him miss games late and we've already wasted the rest week you know I, I still think that I would try to hold on to those guys let them play as long as they can and then like maybe it would be a 19 week season would they make it 20 weeks with two buys I don't know oh wow 20 I mean the difference between 17 and 20 weeks just in terms of how much the NFL can dominate the yeah. landscape. That's why they want to do this. Because the NFL, did you see today the top 10 sports telecasts of the 
of the calendar year came out. I didn't. Every single one of them was an NFL playoff game. So that makes sense. The NFL is just dominating right now, despite all the. I'm not going to say any mean words. Despite all of the people who think they're making a difference by quote unquote boycotting the NFL, the NFL is still king. And there's a reason that we can, well, I mean, we can, at BSN, we can do it on every team. But it's a lot easier for us to do a podcast throughout the entire offseason on the Broncos because the NFL stays relevant always. Like the schedule release, they make that into a primetime event, and we can talk about the schedule for a whole week on the podcast. <laughs> um, the fact that like Madden ratings are a discussion point are it just shows you how powerful the NFL is. The fact that preseason schedule release generates buzz. I mean, all of this stuff, the draft, the combine, the NFL is king. And if they're able to grab three more weeks of regular season, that's almost a whole month. That'd be huge. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they kept like the postseason in the same place and just tacked three weeks on earlier, week one would, would be like the Sunday of August 18th. If, if like assuming the Broncos still in the Hall of Fame game, they'd be playing the Hall of Fame game this weekend. Wow, it wouldn't that be incredible? It would be terrible for a job perspective. <laughs> um, um, it's just, I mean, I'm already looking at 21 weeks of football this year, including yeah. five weeks of preseason, and that's without the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the Broncos make the playoffs, and let's say they win a game, we're talking about. 24 25 weeks of football this year wow i mean that'd be something you just i don't know i don't think 18 games is necessary it'd be fun i think every fan would like it but 16 what the 16 18 rule just doesn't work for me i'm really caught up in the strategy though it's kind of exciting (laughs) like i think maybe my strategy would just be week one and week two i'm just calling that the extended preseason i'm playing all my young players huh and the weird thing is, like, the Broncos this year would be at an, it would be at an advantage because they have Drew Locke. So, like, the Broncos' backup quarterback, like, like the Seahawks? You know who's competing for the Seahawks' backup quarterback position? Paxton Lynch. And Geno Smith. And Geno Smith? Oh, Two first-round busts fighting oh. it out for the backup spot. Like, those are automatic losses. If you, what if you, what if you played, you know, for the Broncos this year, it could actually be exciting. Drew Locke comes in week 10. What if Drew Locke comes in in week 10 and balls out? And then they they decide, okay, let's rest. Let's get another Flacco rest week next week. And Drew Locke balls out again. And then he, like, takes the starting job. Like, certain things like that could actually be really <laughs> exciting. Where it's not exciting is, like, you're watching Blake Bortles versus Paxton oh, Lynch. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh. not – it's actually happened once before. Uh, Blake Bortles <laughs> versus Paxton Lynch. But, like, that is stuff of nightmares. And, again, it's season ticket holders who are having their money wasted. But there also would be two less games of the preseason. And, of course, as you know, with your family being season ticket holders, mm-hmm. you have to pay for the preseason in full. Like, oh, there's yeah, no discount do. there. So it's the same thing, really. Yeah. So I just want to run through this real quick. So last year, Case Keenum played all 16 games. Um, Phil Lindsay played 15 games. So he would have had to sit one more. Uh, Royce Freeman played in 14. Um, Emmanuel Sanders only played in 12, so you wouldn't even have to worry about sitting him. Tim Patrick, Andy Janovich, Cortland Sutton all played 16. Jeff Hireman played in 11. Deshaun Hamilton played in 14. I mean, 
what's that? Half of your top guys, it looks like, missed at least a game or two. And so really you wouldn't see too much. I mean, you know, they're already sitting that game or two. And if you throw on two more games where there's time for guys to get hurt, I wonder how much of a difference we would actually see. I don't know. Again, there are parts of it that are interesting, but the thought of just having to play scrubs in multiple games, like why would the NFL want to dilute their product? I don't know. Because the product is fantastic. No matter what anyone says, NFL games are so watchable. It's the only sport, in my opinion, and I'm sure you know. there's people who say like baseball is the only sport. To me, football is the only sport where you can turn on a game between any two teams and watch start to finish for sure easily yeah it's super easy like like then you have like the betting aspect like no like casual fan can bet on football and be like confident like Mm -hmm. no one's betting like no casual fan is like betting on angels athletics like they're like oh i know these teams (laughs) yeah i I couldn't tell you right now like which team is higher in the standings i mean it's definitely the angels i I would assume because they have because mike Mike Trout. trout yeah I, but yeah, I, and that's the thing is that. But it's like if it's Titans, Lions. I'm totally you know, bought in. You you know like you can probably name ten players on both of those oh, teams easily. So easily. from a from a product perspective, it's just so good, and to mess with that just seems silly to me. But it's also all about it's not. I mean, to them, I guess it's not all about the product. It's all about the money, and. For them, if they add two more games, the revenues are going to be 10% higher. So I hope it doesn't happen, but I think it's inevitable that they are going to add two games to the schedule one way or another. There just has to be a better way. I don't know what the better way is, though. Like I can't think of anything other than just saying, yep, two more games. How do you, how do you get players to buy into that? Pay them more. Yeah, pay them more, add, what if, add more roster When spots? they're putting these bargaining chips on the table during the CBA, if they say, we'll give you full, fully guaranteed contracts if you give us 18 games. Like, don't the players take that in a heartbeat? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe that's what it comes down to. Because you think, like, I mean, all in all of the discussions in the past about this kind of stuff, the way the two sides have been able to work around things has been to make things worse for the players coming into the league because the players association represents the players already in the league. The NFL represents uh, the owners. owners. Exactly. And so nobody's really representing the kids in college who are on their way there. And so that's why you see the pay scale. Yeah. Like the pay scale, the rookies make less. And so I wonder if there's some way they can, the NFL can convince the players by saying like, well, shorten the draft like you have to we'll, we promise you'll have to stay three years in college like we aren't going to roll that back we're going to you know something is there somewhere somewhere in the entry to the league by the way i, I think that's a dumb rule too but yes. i don't think all players should be eligible i think i've said this on the podcast before i think the owners should get to vote um before so so right now before the season because no one knows who's picking where yeah um the owner should be able to vote and if players get like 80 percent approval so like trevor lawrence is a perfect example yep no one wants to wait two more years for trevor trevor lawrence he doesn't need to wait two more years so trevor lawrence if he gets 80 percent approval from the teams then he's eligible next year i don't know i mean because the thing is like 
the Patriots are going to vote against that. Right. That's why you only need 80%. But, but uh, I don't know. I mean... Maybe it's just 51%. Maybe. Like, every team that's set at quarterback right now is going to want to keep him out of the league. Because they're that's they're going point. to wait until their guy's gone or needs a contract. So maybe there's like an th- off chance that they can pull him in. So maybe there's a third party. Yeah. That, that like evaluate like they put together a committee of 10 talent evaluators why don't you think that everybody should be eligible um again just players coming in who aren't ready yeah i mean it's a problem but it, it, i don't know i'd almost feel better letting them make that mistake for themselves like give them all the choice i don't know the choices I think if, they can have i think if you go back and look at the nba before players had to go to college, it started to get out of hand how many players were going from high school. Like, like J.R. Smith went straight from high school. Not to say J.R. Smith isn't amazing. We love J.R. But he wasn't he, – he's not Kobe. He's not Kevin Garnett. He's not, um, you know, all these guys who were actually – LeBron, who were actually good enough to go straight from high school. But, but J.R. He- Smith probably would have – like if J.R. Smith played under like Coach K, he probably would have made his career infinitely better. You think so? Yep. Huh? I don't know. I think putting him in an NBA system and like letting him learn the NBA early on instead of like he was like to an idiot for like the first five years of his career. Could you imagine what a guy like J.R. Smith would have gotten himself into in college? Less, less trouble. Really? You have no I money. Don't... You can't get into nearly as much. trouble. I don't know. I don't know. He just seems like the kind of person who in college would just be all over the place making terrible decisions. I, I don't what, know. How does... It seems like everything worked out for him. Like, he got the extra years making the money. Like... I just think... So I just think when you allow... So, like, are you saying you would allow players to go straight from high school to the NFL? Um, I, That's murky. I think so. The but NFL see, the would need is, a development system for that to They would work. because so few... That's the difference between the NBA and the NFL is that... Like, kids just out of high school are going to get beaten, like, hard. Like, yeah, they, I mean, their bodies are not going to come out of that. And so it does change the equation. When talking about basketball, like, sure, I, if, if you want to go straight to the NBA, do it. You know what the NFL loves? Huh. They have a development league, and it's free. Yeah. It's the NCAA. Yeah. So they could easily put together – they could have a D league in one off season. They could put it together. Every team would want one, et cetera, et cetera. But it would cost them a lot of money, and it they would. don't want to do that. So they right now they have. It's not perfect because of how different the game is. Um, because if you had a development league, it'd be pretty cool. You could put your offense, like you could bring in kids from high school. Yep. Put your offense, like you just teach, you know, Rich Gangarello's understudy, maybe mm-hmm. like TC McCartney is the offensive coordinator of the development league, whatever. Yep. You teach him. You run your offense. You have them for as long, you know, you have them um, just like minor league baseball. You have them in your system and everything. The product in the long run would actually be better off for, for that. Sure. But that costs a lot of money. It does. You have to build a stadium. You have to, you know, do this and that. Maybe maybe you don't have to build a stadium. Maybe you just play at your home. Would, oh, yeah. I don't know. Would Mile High sell out or get close if, like, Drew Locke was oh. starting for the development league on Friday nights? Ooh, I mean, I would be there. 
Yeah, another thing that oh. would just make our job harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I think that they'd sell a lot of tickets because they'd be so much cheaper. There's so many Bronco fans that Bronco fans I'm would sure. know every player on the development team easily. Yeah, and if tickets are cheap enough, which they'd have to be, like if they're trying to sell those seats, it's probably like fifteen, twenty bucks to get in. Well, there you go. That there, you don't need an eighteen game schedule now because you're just selling out your development league games. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then you could sell TV rights too, and I'm sure not every game would be broadcast like like we see on Sundays, but like once a week, it would just like be on like a local NBC, sports network. Like what, NBC broadcast one like, a week nationally. What if it was just like AT and T Sportsnet carried the development league? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and the thing is, right now, the NFL makes no profit. Like, it's really nice to have the your own like free development league with the NCAA, but they don't make any money off the NCAA. If they just made like, I mean, if if they were making a hundred bucks a game in profit, it'd actually be worth it for them. And so they really like they don't need this to be a big money maker for it to be better than the current system. Yeah, but again, they it's they don't have to think about it right now. It's just free. Yeah. These players get developed. Yeah, some of them actually get smarter. <laughs> um, it's probably a small percentage, yeah. but it's. I think there is something to be said for a development league. I would love that. We're going down a, a rabbit hole here, though. We are. And a I development do, league would be great. I do want to wrap back around to some of the training camp battles. So why don't we get into that right now? We talked yes, uh, Friday about how there's really only three or two starting jobs that are truly up for grabs. And I know there's a few things where you could say, oh, this or that. Um, but Zach, you know, he's allowed to have a longer vacation because he actually like worked from – well, he just prepared himself to leave – um, and, and so he dropped an article. Actually, I dropped an article that Zach wrote <laughs> um, yesterday that breaks down all the battles. Maybe not for starting positions, but for positions on the roster and positions to probably get a game day jersey. And so I want to go through what he went through, see you know how we feel about these competitions. The first one is the third receiver. He has Deshaun Hamilton as the front runner, which I think is obviously correct. With the competitors being Tim Patrick, Jawan Winfrey, and River Craycraft. Um, here's what I think. I think this isn't a battle. I think this is Deshaun Hamilton's spot. It's locked up, locked in. But I think fourth receiver, which is a game day jersey on the line. Maybe, maybe you suit up five, but if you're the fourth receiver, you're guaranteeing yourself to suit up on game days. That's more interesting. That's between Tim Patrick and Jawan Winfrey, and maybe Riv is in there too. But to me, I think Jawan has a dark horse chance here to swoop that spot right out from under Tim Patrick, who honestly showed that he can make plays in the NFL last season. Yeah, because the thing about Jawan Winfrey when you watch his college tape is that all that's missing is the big numbers. Like you can you can watch him like catch these remarkable back shoulder passes in the end zone, and you can watch him like do the same thing on the sideline and get open. And he makes these tough plays, these NFL caliber plays. He just doesn't make them all the time, and I'm not sure why that was. Like maybe he just didn't get enough time, or maybe the quarterback wasn't looking his way. But he does he does look like on film in the few chance plays where he actually like flashes he looks like an nfl player 
Yeah, I mean, I've told the story a bunch of times about Juwan Winfrey in CU's camp when he was just dominating, blowing everyone away in a camp where Nelson Spruce was there. Um, people were saying, like, wow, this guy is dominating. And so it's never been a question of whether he had NFL potential. And that's why the Broncos took a flyer on him. I mean, they took a flyer on him early, a lot earlier than I would have expected. But Zach Azani loves him. And I think if he comes in here and he's healthy, uh, the sky's the limit for him. And because of that, I could see him jumping in and becoming a, a contributor right away. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's there's a lot of potential there. Um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see it play out in camp because he is kind of a similar player to Tim Patrick, like your big bodied, fairly athletic receiver, and, and it makes it a very straight across battle for the fourth spot. It's not like a guy like River Craycraft, where you're like, yeah, he's more of like a route runner, he's more of an underneath guy. Um, and so really it should be just those two going back and forth and back and forth all through the, the entire month of training camp. Should be really interesting. Obviously there's a lot of other guys on the team, Brendan Langley, Trinity Benson, Fred Brown, Aaron Burbridge, Romel Gurrier, Kelvin McKnight, a lot of guys who are going to be just fighting to really probably get on the practice squad. Um, but a lot of opportunity at the backside of that wide receiver position to get game day, you know, jerseys. All right, the next one he has here is third cornerback. This one shouldn't uh, – I, I don't know. I'm a fan of the Boz, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, the front runner here is Isaac Yadam. The main competitor is Devontae Bosby. Obviously, Elijah Holder got the highest signing bonus of any undrafted guy, so maybe he is a dark horse candidate here. But it's really going to be Yadam and Bosby. And the tough thing about this one is when Kareem Jackson plays corner, then this person is being moved to the fourth cornerback, which isn't really going to get on the field. So it'll be interesting to see how much this player, whoever does become the third corner, and I'm putting that in quotes, actually plays. Because it seems in situations where the Broncos are going to use three corners, they're just going to use Kareem Jackson at corner. But we'll see. Um Yadam, obviously, as a former third-round pick, has the edge here. But I thought Bosby looked really good during the offseason. So we'll see what happens in training camp. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like, Yadam and Bosby, neither of them really excite me as a third cornerback. I think they fit better as a fourth. That said, Yadam's coming back for a second season, and you never know how big of a jump he could take. And so while this does look kind of thin right now, if you look from like Chris Harris, uh, Bryce Callahan, Isaac Adam, Devontae Bosby, and then Elijah Holder or Trey Johnson or Horace Richardson, like one of these guys is your fifth. That's not a super deep group of cornerbacks. You kind of do need Kareem Jackson to help out unless Isaac Adam or Devontae Bosby really steps up in training camp. Yeah, that's that's going to be a, an interesting one to watch. I was just thinking, like, if this was talked about on the radio, this conversation that we're having today, it would drive people absolutely insane. Like, this is the classic, like, people being like, the Rockies just won two out of three from the Reds, <laughs> and they're talking about the third cornerback. But uh, that's the uh, the luxury that we get here. Yeah. No one, no one tunes into the BSN Broncos podcast ready to complain about what we're talking about. Isn't that nice? It is. Well, it's because we talk about it for... 90 minutes a day when there's nothing happening in the offseason. And 
If you don't want to hear us talk about the backup inside linebacker position, which we're about to. Send us a question. Just, no. Oh. Just go oh. listen to the BSN Rockies <laughs> podcast. Yeah. yeah. Or go listen to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Listen to them talk about, uh, you know, Chanchar. Who I just, loved him. Who just signed on. Love him. And it's going to fit in really well with the team. Or go listen to the BSN Avalanche podcast. I don't even know what the heck they're talking about right now. I have no idea. But that's what's awesome about the BSN Denver Podcast Network is if this isn't what you're into today, then go listen to something else. We won't be upset. And if you're just interested in different Broncos stuff, then send us a question about that Broncos stuff, and we'll talk about that too. Speaking of, if you appreciate the fact that we break down the backup inside linebacker <laughs> position on this podcast, <laughs> go give us a rating on iTunes. I know I say I don't ask for this much, but I'm trying to trying to get us boosted here uh, before training camp. So it does help us. It helps new Broncos fans or new podcast listeners find our podcast when you go in and give us a rating. So um, hop in on iTunes or wherever you listen and shoot us a rating. We really appreciate it. Okay, back up inside linebacker. Oh, boy. Front runner is Joseph Jones with Keyshawn Bieria uh, also kind of – angling for a spot here no linebacker pun intended um (laughs) here's the funny thing and zach detailed this in his article if you were just looking at those specs on the roster and maybe like combine times and whatnot and you showed all the players and then said okay here's the guys that vic fangio has had success with who's starting you would probably point to Keyshawn bieria and joe jones and say like these are the two guys who fit what Vic Fangio has done across his career. Uh, guys who can really move around, who are faster. Joe Jones, like, there's actually no reasons that he can't be a really good linebacker in the NFL. He's smart. He has good instincts. He's fast. He's fantastic on special teams, which shows you that he has football ability. Um, and so as Zach outlines in here, there's a, there's an off chance that Joe Jones can make a little run at some playing time on the field on Sundays. Yeah. This is one of the groups that I think is really fun. Like Todd Davis doesn't excite me much. And even Josie Jewell, I'm not super high on, like I've said before, but the preseason is going to be so much fun watching Joe Jones, Keyshawn Bieria, Alexander Johnson, like probably isn't going to be a guy who sticks around, at least in my opinion, but just the talent there makes him exciting to watch. And then, Joe Deneen, Justin Hollins, seeing if Justin Hollins can make the switch to inside linebacker. This is going to be a really fun group. Plus Josie Jewell, who I really felt like I didn't get to see enough of. Um, I, it, I'm just excited to see this one play out. I, I liked Keyshawn Bieria out of college, Washington, right? And uh, I'm a little disappointed he hasn't come along more, I guess. But he's another guy that just has potential. Him and Joe Jones... Yeah, I, I just I just want to see him. I don't know who's gonna win out, but I mean, Joe Jones ran a four nine forty. He's fast. Four nine. Four four nine. Sorry. Four four nine. I was like, oh boy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Four four nine. That's crazy fast. That I mean, that's what what was Noah Fant? He was a four five zero. Four five. Yeah. He's fast. Like he's faster than Noah Fant. He's who you match up. Now he's a lot shorter than Noah Fant, which is what makes Noah Fant a freak, and he weighs less than Noah Fant. Um, but that like that's the type of player that you can maybe use in in matchup situations and say all right we need a speed backer out there let's throw joe jones so uh joe jones and Keyshawn Bieria are going to be fighting for that third spot 
like you mentioned, Alexander Johnson, Justin Hollins, Joe Deneen, all in the mix. Uh, we'll see what happens. Fourth safety. And this can really be third safety, depending on how you're looking at where Kareem Jackson is. Because he practiced so much at safety in the offseason, um, I think that's why Zach has him kind of listed as the, I guess, number one safety in this group. Um, but he has the front runner listed as DeMonte Thomas, with competitors being Jamal Carter, Sue Cravens, Shamarco Thomas, and Trey Marshall. This is the deepest group. All of those guys, all the way down to Trey Marshall. Trey Marshall is a guy who I know for a fact people inside that front office are really high on. And he's listed as the last competitor for this job here. Obviously, Shamarco Thomas is not going to be a guy who plays on you know first through third downs. He's a special teams guy, but he's so good at special teams that he's going to compete for a spot on the roster. So in the end here, you have to cut someone who is a high potential player, at least one. Um, you can still put Trey Marshall on the practice squad and probably Jamar, Jamal Carter too. But Sue Cravens is kind of the odd man out here. We've talked about that a lot. And then it's going to depend on what is important to Vic Fangio. And we know that DeMonte Thomas is versatile, and we also know that that's something that's important to Vic Fangio. Yeah. I, I mean, DeMonte Thomas and Jamal Carter are two of my favorite players on the roster. I really like both of them. I mean, Jamal Carter just has that attitude that's so much fun. Like, he's a he's out of Miami, and he has, like, that full-on Miami defense mentality where he just wants to... Honestly, it kind of looks like he just wants to hurt people. But he's also, like, really talented at football. He's just a big hitting safety. And, I mean, the Broncos don't really have one of those on the roster. They don't have an enforcer back there. Yeah, the closest thing they have, obviously, is Will Parks. Yeah. Who is that guy who can play up and play Sam. Um, Jamal Carter is closer to a really fast linebacker exactly. than Will Parks is. It's going to be – I hope Jamal Carter gets back to where he was before the injury because before that I thought he was a highly intriguing prospect. Um, and then obviously we didn't get to see much of anything from him last year. Yeah, yeah, I think the same thing. And then DeMonte Thomas, he just has proven a little more. And Sua Cravens is a lot of fun, but he... Uh... I mean, DeMonte Thomas was so good defending the, the tight end position in that... Was either the, what it would have been the third preseason game, and I think he was going up against uh, Vernon Davis. And he was making play after play, third down stop after third down stop. I was shocked to see them not try to use him more in that role last year. All right, last one, and it's the one that shouldn't be one, but it's the one that's going to get the most eyes on it, and it's backup quarterback. Right now, Kevin Hogan is listed as the number two. Drew Locke is listed as the number three. We assume at some point that will change, but until it does, that's the way it stands. It's so weird to me that, I mean, neither of those guys has proven anything. It's not, it's not like Drew Locke is coming in and saying, like, oh, no, like, you're trying to compete with this guy who's been all over. He's established. We know what we have in him. They're just like two guys who really haven't done much in the league. And for Drew, it's because he's a rookie. And so the fact that they won't just make him second string is strange to me. It's one of those things I don't get about football. Like this whole fight for your job. Rookies aren't entitled to it. Older guys are entitled to it just because they're older. And it's it's almost like instead of giving Drew Locke the second position with all the reps that come with that and giving him a chance to build chemistry with these guys and 
learn the playbook and learn how to play NFL football. They're saying, we want you to learn how to compete. Like we want you to play fewer reps with players. You probably won't be playing with like third string guys who probably will never be in the starting lineup when you're in the starting lineup so that you will have to play with more pressure on you. And, and that, that has always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I want him up there just getting the reps, building chemistry instead of putting more pressure on him early. Yeah, I mean, there's one sign we saw during uh, OTAs, which was anytime they put the second-team offense against the first-team defense, so the, the toughest reps, they had Drew Locke as the second-team quarterback. That should tell you right then and there that this thing is a foregone conclusion. It's only a matter of time before Drew Locke is the number two. The, the hope is that it happens before the Hall of Fame game, um, or maybe maybe he gets a ton of reps in the Hall of Fame game, and that's when it happens. Yeah. Like, he plays so good, they come back and say, okay, now he's our number two. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would almost like to see him be the number two for the Hall of Fame game so that you can pull him out quickly if you need to. If that way you still have two quarterbacks behind him, your third string and then your fourth string, Brett Rippon. Because assuming Joe Flacco doesn't get any reps in the Hall of Fame game. Zero. Um, so Drew Locke starts it, and you hope you give him a quarter, maybe you give him a half. But if he starts out 0 for 5 and it looks ugly, you can just get him out of there and get somebody else in without screwing up your whole, almost almost like your bullpen the rest of the way through. Should be interesting. I kind of hope that he he throws 30 passes in that game Um, just because I want to see him go out there and play, play, play. But we'll find out. Uh, A lot of interesting stuff going into camp. Obviously, camp starts on Thursday, so mark your calendars. That's when this thing's really going to ramp up, and we will probably no longer talk about The Bachelorette on this podcast. Oh, that's too bad. It is too bad, in my opinion. Some people might disagree. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back on the other side, we'll get to your questions. The Greg Mastriona Golf Courses at Highland Hills offer something for everyone. With a championship 18-hole golf course, the regulation 9-hole blue course, and two par threes, golfers of all skill levels will find exactly what they're looking for. There's a lot of opportunities for families to enjoy the game of golf together here. as We do have multiple courses, all different skill levels, so it's a great place to teach and develop really a good way for families to you know grow their skills and enjoy the game together that was alan brown he's the director of golf over at highland hills if you're busy at work all day don't worry at highland hills it's never too late to start a round of golf well highland hills has a fantastic pay for what you play program it is designed for the player to play after four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening and you check in you play as many holes as you can until dark and then you come into the pro shop and we give you a rain check for any holes you don't finish we also do a really fun event glow golf on our par three golf course one time a month 25 dollars no cart but we give you glow balls it's a fantastic way to have some fun with friends and get out and enjoy the nighttime and the summertime here in Colorado. To learn more and book a tea time, head over to GolfHighlandHills.com today or call them at 303-428-6526. Rolling along on the BSN Broncos podcast. And uh, quickly, I have to tell you guys, Henry and I went up to Silverthorne this weekend and played golf with a couple of my buddies at the Raven Golf Course up there, and it was fantastic. It was incredible. I've never played on a golf course like that, where it's just like cut into the mountain, and you're like, 
I mean, how how some of those tee shots they drop like three hundred feet probably. Yeah, Easy. Or, or more. Easy. Yeah. Um, there was a couple different holes, especially the ninth hole. It was like you were teeing off off the top of a mountain down on to the bottom of a mountain. Yeah. I think my drive, which I didn't even hit that well, ended up going 365 yards. And then uh, my buddy Bryce, if you guys listen to the original BSN Buffs <laughs> podcast, B-Bads, uh, his, he crushed his. His was like 385. Yeah. Mine, uh, mine was in the lake. And so was the second. Yeah. Yeah. You, were, you blocked it a little to the right. Whoops. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, who was the unofficial sponsor of our little uh, golf weekend there. Brought up a case of Strawberry Skies. Such a perfect golf course, summer, boys' day out beer. Yeah. No, those th- it was incredible. We had our Breck polos on, too. Yeah, Breck polos, drinking Strawberry Skies. We, like, cheers them off the top of the highest point on the course. Um, it's just so good. Like, I, I need you guys to try it. And... By the way, really quick, we got a comment that was a buzzer beater that we missed on Friday's podcast, and it came in from Dweener, and this is perfect for all of you guys who are out of state. He found that on Breckenridge's website, they have something called the Beer Locator, and so if you want the link, it's breckbrew.com slash beer dash locator. I'm sure if you just go to breckbrew.com, you can just find it on there, like under tools or something along those lines. But what it does is you put in your zip code, and not only will it tell you what liquor stores around you carry Breck Brews, it'll also tell you which beers those stores carry from Breck Brew. So whether it's a vanilla porter or the agave wheat or anything, remember that when you buy a Breck beer, you're essentially buying a beer that was handmade by me, Henry, Zach, and Andre exactly essentially close yeah exactly similarly something like that all right anyways shout out to breck <clears throat> breck brewery um they made our boys day even better all right let's get into the questions and the first one here comes in from brent g17 says gentlemen welcome back zach oh no no nope. i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> more henry Says also uh, the best TV sports moment I've ever seen was Game 163 as well. Matt Holiday sacrifices his chin to the baseball gods, and the Rockies make it to the World Series. That's not a coincidence. Super Bowl 50 is up there though. Best in-person sports moment had to be the Tebow game against the Jets. I was watching highlights of that game the other day, and it is still unreal. Oh, that that game was so entertaining. Anyways, he says I always want to ask you guys a tough question, but it seems like the BS fam asks them all. Uh, asks them all, and you guys are Henry David Thoreau. Clever. Wow. That's real clever. Especially since David is the middle name of both Zach and I. Really? Yep. Oh, I had no idea. And Broncos receivers coach Zach Azani. Uh, have you told him that? I can't remember if he knows that we call him Cousin Zach because he has the same middle name. <laughs> I, I really hope he knows because that's incredible. That's uh, awesome. That was good. Henry David Thoreau. Wow. Appreciate that. All right. <clears throat> Next one here from Sunny Rain. Says, Ryan, I'm not surprised you haven't seen the movie Idiocracy. The studio didn't actually market the thing at all. It was just released to 130 theaters and only made 400000 
But somewhere along the way, you started hearing about the movie on DVD. It's silly, and for some, might not be their cup of tea, but you have to see it. It's basically about humanity's slide into pure stupidity 500 years into the future. Perfect. I feel like we <laughs> might have come 500 years early. Yeah, yeah. All right, he says, Today the movie is often used as a reference point for where we are today as a society. People say things like, who knew Idiocracy was a documentary? Oh, look, I just made a joke like that. <laughs> Fun fact, the director got the idea for this movie standing in line with his kids at Disneyland and watching two women with their kids have a cuss match about wanting to beat each other up with all the fun words we know. It's a stupid movie, but it's also scary accurate. I, on this podcast, once committed to watching movie, like I promised the listeners I would watch a movie, and it ended up being a lot of pressure, but Zach and I did end up watching Draft Day together. Um, I'm not going to make a promise, but I'll tell you this. If it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. Yep. Yeah, I can make that same I can I can make that promise. If it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. I'll look it up later to see if it is. If not, I'm not going to rent it like I did draft day. All right, next one's from Kodiak No Fly Zone. It says, hey, fellas, this is a long post, and I'm sorry, but if you don't want to read the whole thing now, you can brief through and maybe discuss it more in depth uh, on some on time. If you're short on time, at some other point. Sorry about that. I can't be the only one who's getting 2015 vibes again, am I? And by the way, we have plenty of time. I've heard it all offseason, from washed-up quarterback to mediocre defense, and I can't help but smile. This brings back the underdog mentality that drove us to the Super Bowl 50 win. Ryan always talks about the, uh, about the mojo that a team gets when they win, and I'm getting that feeling before the season even starts. I know that we haven't seen this offense on the field as a whole, and this new coaching regime pulling out all the stops as a team, but gosh dang, the media is sticking a fork in us before the season starts. I know my hopes and expectations are high for this team, and maybe some bias, but can you guys help me come to terms with a few things? First, how can you game plan for Miller and Chubb? Arguably one of the best, if not the best, pass rush duos in the league. With our secondary more stout from last year, how can these two studs not eat? Yeah, I think you make a really good point there. Um, and the most important point you, you made was the secondary. Last year, crazy enough, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb got, what, 27, 26 and a half yeah, sacks combined? Um, and... The coverage was terrible. I mean, teams that wanted to, look at the Raiders in week two. They just tossed the ball around the yard all day and just dink and dunk through the, through the defense, which completely uh, negates the pass rush. This year, there should be much better coverage, which should help that. Yeah, and how do you game plan for them? Um, most of the time when they're rushing the passer, it's going to be out of the nickel formation where the Broncos have four guys on that defensive line and the offense will have their five offensive linemen. So they have the one man advantage there, so you maybe double Vaughn on his side and then throw a tight end to chip on the other, leave a running back in to block, or maybe even just double him off the snap. That's how you game plan. So you lose one of your five skill guys who should be going out for a route, which just makes things even easier on that secondary. Exactly. He goes on. Secondly, I'm a huge fan of our running back situation. You have the ta Tasmanian Devil and Lindsay, and then the bowling ball of Freeman as a one-two punch. I have high hopes we can utilize these two as a huge part of our offense. I was very happy when I saw that from both running backs last year, so hopefully they can take the next step forward this year. I will end it there, and I have a ton more to say, but I'll break it up over the next few days. Thanks, guys. You're the best. Yeah, I mean, the running back situation, I saw a local media guy say that the, they need to add a big running back to the group. No, they don't. No, they don't. There's not reps. You're gonna give. You're gonna split the reps between Freeman and Lindsey. 
and Devontae Booker is going to be your de facto third down back when you're not using Phil there. Yeah. No, they're they're totally set at running back. I mean, did you see that picture of Phil Lindsay eating ice cream with that kid yesterday? Yes. So cute. He's jacked. Oh, yeah. He, he's massive. He's like one phase away from Christian McCaffrey status. He he's almost there. My goodness. I like sure he's five foot seven, five foot eight, whatever they say he is. He's gonna take a beating, but he can take a beating, and it's easy to forget when he's so short that he's actually kind of a thick guy. And I could see him running over a couple guys. So I mean, that's not to say he's a full on power back, obviously, but he's bigger than I think people give him credit for. Well that's what it's, I've always said about Phil is that he might be small, but he's not built small, which is why I'm not worried about his durability at long term. No. Well, and then Royce Freeman actually kind of is like your big power guy. Like, was he 225, 230? He's not, maybe not quite that big, but no. he is, especially compared to Phil, definitely you're more between the tackles back. And he, like, I, I have no problem just sending him between the tackles every play. And, like, hoping he can get through there and then make a play. Like, I'm not worried about them. It's going to be interesting to see how Royce and Phil um, adapt to the zone scheme. I think it suits both of them really well. Both of them have great vision. And essentially, there's three options there. You can can go with the flow and just kind of go with the pile of the zone. You can cut back uh, into the hole. Or you can cut it all the way back. Both of these guys have the ability to do both. Royce is bigger, but he still... If you watch him at Oregon, he bounced a lot, which is actually a bad habit of his in the NFL. But he's going to have runs where he hits that third cutback lane, which goes all the way behind the entire offensive line, and he has the speed to get out there. Yeah, and that's what Royce was doing when he was at his best. Um, He had the ACL injury at Oregon and then gained a bunch of weight and they had him just running up the middle. I just looked him up on the Broncos website. They have him listed at 238 pounds. Wow. That's that's probably too big, if we're being honest. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but maybe they wanted him to bulk up. Maybe that is like the full one-two punch. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos do not need a bigger running back. No, they don't. All right, let's take one last break here. And when we come back on the other side, we'll wrap up the rest of your questions. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Final segment here on the BSN Broncos podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us. As we inch closer and closer to training camp, which is going to be so fun, um, Zach and I already have our spot reserved in the radio. I'm putting that in quotations. The radio tent, which should really just be called the airwaves audio tent. audio tent. Yeah, the audio <laughs> tent because now we're an official staple. Um, 
So we'll obviously be podcasting there every morning. We'll have so much content out on bsndenver.com in the afternoons. We're talking, you know, practice recaps, video recaps, um, breaking down the, you know, the three standouts of the day. Just anything and everything you can think of, we are going to have. No one can match our coverage of training camp with all due respect to all of our competitors. I, I do respect them a lot. No one can match us at training camp. We blow them away every time. Yep. That's kind of BSN's thing. Okay. Next question here comes in from your buddy Travo. He says, as a Las Vegas native and a diehard Broncos fan, I've hated the fact that the Raiders are moving here since it was rumored. The only bright side is seeing my boys once a year. I've been saying I just need to rep the Broncos that much more. That said, I saw Mark Davis at my favorite local bar in town tonight called Johnny Max. Hands down the best pizza and wings in the world. A must try when you're in town. That sounds amazing. I will. He said, but I swear if this place turns into a Raiders bar, I'll burn it down and move. I honestly don't know what to do being behind enemy lines. P.S. I ignored the fact that he was even there and pretended he didn't exist. I even said to my bartender, who is that guy? Why is everyone making a big deal? Never heard of her. Good. Um, you guys who have lived behind enemy lines, whether it be the Bay Area or uh, New England. I know we have some listeners from there. Missouri. You got to give, you gotta give uh, yeah, Missouri. You got to give uh, Travo some advice on how to live behind enemy lines. Yeah, that can't be easy. I can't even I think you just want to be seeing the them everywhere. I think you just want to be the heel. So just like fly a Broncos flag outside of your house. Just be loud about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, from Chris O'Brien. This one's kind of funny. He says, I've been a BSN guy for two years now, and I got to say, all this Bachelorette talk is the worst thing to ever happen to the podcast. <laughs> but it's the off season, so whatever fills the time, I guess. I think you're just being um, – you're trying to p- fight off the fact that The Bachelor is actually a fantastic television show. I did it for 22 years. Same. Uh, <laughs> more, more than that. Yeah, but now – I don't know. I, it's just tough to believe that people could watch The Bachelorette and not like it. Anyone who says they don't like it just have never watched it. Yeah, because, I mean, I know it's it's – kind of a girly show like when you see people talking about on twitter more often than not they're women but it's actually really great it's funny like there's it's so much drama stupid in an entertaining way everything's so unexpected like they do a great job of building characters you like and characters you don't like and then pitting them against each other and it's just uh it's just great tv it's a great television program program and speaking of program and speaking of television programs i as soon as we finish this podcast i'm going to make my first appearance on a television program and you'll find out more about that soon i i know i'm not gonna add anything because there's so many secrets here it's not the next season of the bachelor or bachelorette uh, i think i could kill it on the bachelorette I think uh, I would. I've always wanted to be a character on on actually, one of those shows. You know what? I think I'd actually be better at The Bachelor. I think like making myself stand out out of like forty guys would be tougher than like navigating having like thirty or forty women think, after me. Like I think I could keep everything going well. I could keep all the girls from like fighting with each other. I don't think you could stop that. I don't know. I think I could. I think I could. It's like that CEO approach to coaching. I think it'd be like the same thing where it's like very all above board. Everybody's on the same page. It's a very weird thing. Anyways, don't resist. Stop resisting. Just just give in and just, watch. Just give it a try. Fantasy right. Suites tonight. 
But yes, the program that I will be on might be of more interest to you. All right. He says, Broncos question. Common sense would suggest that Drew Locke is being groomed to be the Broncos starter in 2020. Flacco is on the books for $20.5 million in 2020 with $0 guaranteed. Assuming we cut or trade him and our QB room becomes insanely cheap, uh, the duo of Locke and Rippon, where can we spend some of that $20 million that's coming off the books? Do we have free agents who need to be re-signed? Chris Harris Jr., maybe? Or are there names expected to be on the free agent market next year that LA could be interested in? I think you start with your own guys, and you quickly see how fast $20 million can go away. If Chris is a candidate, which I don't know if he will be, um, if Chris is, then there's a big chunk of that money. And then think of a guy like Shelby Harris. If Shelby Harris goes out and has a good season this year, he's going to be a, I don't know, what do you think? Can he be a $10 million player? I doubt he's a $10 million player. I think he is like eight. I mean, what's what's Derek Wolf making? He's making About 12. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, maybe then. So Shelby Harris probably vault, vaults himself into double-digit millions. Um, that's a guy you're going to want to take care of, in my opinion. I'm trying to think who else comes um, up next year. Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Like, probably gone. I think because even – You say that now, but it's like we have talked about it. Like this receiving core is dependent on him. Yeah, but I I, I think that even, even if they do decide to get another receiver – they might just try to find another free agent. I think they might try to find somebody younger. I mean, it just depends on the fit. If, if things go well for Manuel Sanders in Denver and everybody wants him back and he wants to come back, then yeah, it could happen. Also, but, you've got three high first-round talents at wide receiver next year. Yeah. If not four. Well, and how much fun would it be if the Broncos drafted LaVisca? It's the dream. It's uh, It'd be like Phil Lindsay, except... Also, then if Juwan Winfrey uh, comes into his own, now you have three skill position uh, players on the Broncos that are former buffs. Plus, I mean, like forever buffs. Dalton Reisner's from just down the road. Like Sam Jones gets in there. Sam Jones. You're running like the Colorado offense. What a what a great way to get back into like Denver's good graces. Not that they ever lost it, but it just makes it so much easier to cheer for them. It really does. It's interesting how that works. Like. There, there are CSU fans wearing Philip Lindsay jerseys. Ah, uh, you, you got him. Got him. Um, yeah. So you mean you have those guys? You have, I mean, Von Miller. They'll pick up his option. Chris Harris, Emmanuel Sanders, Derek Wolf, Ron Leary has a nine million dollar option. Not happening. I don't think so. Uh, but anyways, twenty million is not a lot of money. It'll get eaten up quickly, probably by your own free agents. And then, obviously, you'll have more cap space open up that you can use for other free yep. agents. Adam Gotsis, Justin Simmons, Will Parks. Oh, right. You're going to you have got, to sign a, you got a, a bunch lot of guys. those guys. All right, next one here is from Bronco Matt. Hey, guys, just a question. Do you have a recommendation on streaming games this season? I have internet and basic cable. However, watching over streaming kicks in the surround sound makes uh, watching so much more enjoyable. Price is not a problem, but any tips would be great. Um, if price isn't a problem, I would just get – the Sunday ticket package where you can watch on your, like there's like an NFL thing that you can stream all the games on your computer, I believe. Yep. Yeah. My, uh, my dad always has Sunday ticket. And so I, I set it up so that I could watch all the streams on my Xbox and the Apple TV and my phone. My the question computer. is, can you, can you get that if you don't have direct TV? I don't know if you can. I don't know. Is there I, like, a, I, I is there a, I don't think they would do a online only package. That's what like all the cable companies are fighting against. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, there's always the option of Googling Reddit NFL streams going on there. You gotta, you just have to figure out how to work Reddit, which is super simple. It's going to look a little weird to your eyes at first. Yeah. But you just go to Reddit NFL streams, find the Broncos stream, click around until you find a good one. It's not quite as as user-friendly as one of those other things, but you can give it a try. And the quality isn't that bad. Or it's a step down, but it's not a huge step. You down. said if your dad, your dad has Directv, right, and you have it set uh, up so you yeah. can stream on your Xbox. Just find a friend. Find a friend, and maybe you can split the money with them, or you can front the whole cost if you want, and that allows you to stream it one way, either through like a Roku or Apple TV yep. or uh, an Xbox. He finishes and says, also any re- recommendation? On going to training camp, I was thinking of going this weekend. How early should fans arrive to get in? It depends on what's important to you. Um, if you're just – you don't care where you sit, like you're going to be on a hill regardless. Yep. Um, if you don't care where you sit, you can really show up right when practice starts. Yeah, there were very few last year. I don't know that there were any last year where they were turning people away. I don't think they turned anyone away. Um, so right around when practice starts, but – if you want to be down in the front to be able to get autographs after practice, which the players will come around and sign autographs, you can always try and jostle your way down there. But there are people who get there, you know, an hour plus before camp starts just so they can have those first spots up uh, up against the field. Yeah, and if it's going to be a trip getting to camp, then it's worth it. Like if, right. if you're going to be spending 45 minutes, an hour in the car, you might as well get there an hour early, 90 minutes early. Because, I mean, if you get there at 8 – and it starts at 9.30. Is, are those practice times about the same this year? Do you know? I think, yeah, that's right. 9.30 to noon. Or yeah. 9.30 to 12.30 maybe. If you get there at 8, then it, it'll, it'll be worth it. You'll be in the first couple rows. Everything will be happening right in front of you. And, I mean, players start coming out around like 9, 9.15. So you get to see who's warming up. And so, like, even you wouldn't want to just show up at 9.30, I don't think, if you're only going once. Probably not. Probably not. Um, also, I probably shouldn't plug them, but since it's so close and it's a classic staple of the pod, yeah, yeah, you, you should do probably it. hit up Dog House for lunch. Ah, that Dog shows House. you that like I wasn't just ever plugging Dog House just because they were here. Like, <laughs> it was all real. It's truly fantastic food. I might need some Dog House. I haven't had it since since you got here. Oh, yeah, you're close at my place right now. It's true. Ten minute drive or so. It's so good. It is good. I'm trying to think of a sponsor that I can turn you towards. I don't, I don't know if we <laughs> have any that are right in that there. area. We should we should market that to them. Be our one sponsor. Yeah, we need a close a, a place that's close that can serve us food for free. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody knows anybody, l- let them know. Speaking of obviously shameless plug here, the Breckenridge Brewery food was incredible like it they was have so incredible they have the the farmhouse over there obviously it's it's not right near training camp it's not too far of a drive like again if you were making the trip down here it might be worth it to go over there it's um, a really cool place they've got a sweet lawn out there it's like a s- awesome place to hang out uh, in the food it's like a, fo- a real restaurant like yeah like really real like i was surprised how nice all the food i thought was. it was just gonna be like pretzels and yeah well and then like they bring over like nuts. the tray where it has like the fancy bread charcuterie. and like whatever that is, there was charcuterie. There was like jam and like mustard, and they have like all these meats that were super thinly sliced. Like they were good, but I was more impressed is. by like oh, 
but yeah, like in in incredibly thinly sliced. Like I just didn't understand how you even do that. Like dry dry grapefruit. That I mean, yeah. Henry was also very <laughs> fascinated um, by the I don't even know what to call it. The ramp that was uh, the beer tasting holder. I don't know. Why you were impressed by that? Well, Allie pointed the camera at me and said, talk about how great the beer is. And I'm not much of a beer guy. I just know that it tastes good. And so I turned I turned it quickly to the like the flight of tray. tray. Yeah, where it's like this wooden board, but it's like propped up on one side. And so it's at like a 20 degree, maybe 30 degree angle. But the inside, so they have little cutouts, little circles inside the board on the way up. They have those so that they're parallel to the ground. So wow. I, I'm hoping you guys can understand this. It was really incredible. So it's it like really wasn't. Ah, I loved it. I was impressed. I had a great time. The beer was incredible, though. The that beer was incredible. Strawberry Sky. All right, moving on here. Last one from Minnesota Paul. He says you mentioned it on Friday, and I always hear uh, playing hockey requires the most athleticism. But have you ever seen a hockey player shoot a basketball? It's probably the most non-athletic thing I've ever witnessed. I don't think I said it requires the most athleticism. Maybe I did. Just so many different skills. That's the thing, is it requires the most difficult skill set. Like, to compare it to lacrosse, which I'm not trying to... Okay, where are we going here, Ryan? ...stomp on lacrosse at all. But lacrosse essentially requires the similar skills. You have to be physical. You got to be able to shoot, you know the other stuff that you got to do in lacrosse in hockey, you have to do all those same things. And you also have to be able to <laughs> skate on ice. Yeah, with, no, that's fair. With like, like tiny little blades as your shoes, little tiny blades as your shoes. Yeah. I, I can't argue. I played lacrosse and I like coached lacrosse and a bunch of that kind of stuff. But no, I really can't argue that it's kind of the same thing, but then you, the hockey players wear skates. Yeah. I mean, Lacrosse is kind of like men's field hockey. I've never watched field hockey. Is the ball on the ground for that? Because yes. actually, like the throwing and the catching and like all like behind the back that's through the true. legs, like that kind of stuff, you can do. That that's that true. takes some skill. But I mean, field you hockey the... looks fun, except for you have to be like bent over the entire time. I feel like it's really bad for your back. Mm. I don't know. I have a pretty same good thing back. goes for I hockey. Could give it a try. Hockey, you're like squatting, like you're like bending most of the of the game and like it seems like hockey players legs are always really far apart like their feet are always like five feet apart and they're like angled in with their knees you know yeah i Um, mean it's wild i don't think i don't think the greatest athletes play hockey no but i think hockey requires the most difficult combination of skills for sure and i think like in terms of just athletic specimens it has to be basketball yeah like because those are there's seven footers who can do some crazy things and i think i've always mentioned this on the podcast for some reason when players aren't basketball players the way i judge how athletic they are is like how good i think they would be at basketball yeah yeah but but to like turn things around could you imagine if uh you put michael porter jr in skates and he just like tore up a hockey rink like what if he had grown up a hockey player i think the opposite would happen yeah you think he'd just be really bad yeah like, you just can't be six foot eleven and good at hockey. Did you see the picture of him standing next to Bull Bull? No. He didn't oh, look small. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, it's a. Uh, this is turning into a Nuggets podcast, but it's just so hard not to be thinking about the Nuggets right now. I mean, ESPN just released the power rankings and had him second behind the two, Bucks. Two overall. That's a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. I just couldn't believe, like, I've never seen Bull Bull stand next to someone and them not look tiny. 
Yeah. And then there was a picture of him next to Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr. looked regular size. Yeah, and, like, Michael Porter Jr. is thin, but he isn't, like, weirdly thin. Like, he's still kind of built, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, there's so so many reasons to be excited. Oh, wow. We got two different buzzer beaters here. Wow. So, <clears throat> we shall start with the legendary Tim E. He says, hey, guys. Uh, bummed I missed connecting with Ryan on my Colorado trip. I went with a bunch of friends who had never been there before, uh, and now they're all hooked on the Rocky Mountain vibes. I'm assuming he's talking about the baseball team. Well, it's tough because vibes isn't capitalized. Ah, uh, true. And so maybe it's just like the vibes that come with the Rocky Mountains. I think that's exactly what he's meaning, but that's exactly why they named that team that. Yeah. He says, I'm going to both the Minnesota and Green Bay games this year, so we'll have another chance to have a non-Montucky cold snack up here in the frozen north. Looking forward to training camp and all of your astute observations. Go donkeys. As a random thing, I sat right behind the legendary Tim E's girlfriend at the Dead End Company concert in Boulder. No way. Yeah. He sent me a picture that she took that I was in the background of. He's like, is this you? Whoa. I was like, that is me. Whoa. Oh, that's great. How many people were at that show? 40,000. My goodness. The odds. Literally, direct, like, directly behind her. Huh. The, le- the legendary Tim E's girlfriend was right in front of you. If the legendary Tim E would have just gone to the show. Why wouldn't the legendary Tim E go to not go? I got Why, why would he not go to the show? He sh- yes. Why would he not go to the show? Uh, I think he had something else going on. Maybe Rocky Mountain vibing. I'm bummed. Well, is there, are there better Mount Rocky Mountain vibes than there are at a dead show i'll tell you boulder i was completely entrenched in the rocky mountain vibes then so many vibes there great vibes yes all right from bumpy buffalo last one last buzzer beater hey guys thrilled for training camp to start this week and actually get back to substantial football granted the bachelorette talk is entertaining still doesn't come close to orange and blue on the field i'm glad he said entertaining that makes me less (laughs) self-conscious yeah (laughs) my question is about the kicking position hey I know we'll see through training camp who the favorite is, but if it's a close competition, do you see Bertolet or is it Bertolet kicking through the Hall of Fame game? Uh, if so, how good are his chances to take over the starting job? Thanks for keeping the offseasons bearable. P.S. Maybe do a second pod every day featuring Henry slash Hank. Thoughts? Uh, I'm down. Well, <laughs> Hankry Hankry. Is... Let's just not go with that one. Either <laughs> one of the other two we can work with, but Hankry. For some Ooh. reason, I've just had this temptation to call you Harold recently. Huh. We could try it out. Maybe Brandon will start a Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> Harold Chisholm. Harold. Sounds it's, very... It's happened to me before. A couple of people call me Harold. I, th- I think that's because Henry can be short for Harold. I have no idea if that's true. I'll go with it. I don't can know it be, why. Can it be lengthened? You've, you sound so astute. Astute. As Harold. Harold Chisholm. Harold. Harold Chisholm. Yeah, no, that's definitely European, like smart. Like, I don't know. I could, I Yo, like in a very sure large a library, like an oak, oak, like bookcases in yes. my library type of person. Rich mahogany, leather bound books. Yes. yes. Um. Anyways, Hank Henry Harold. Oh, Hank boy. Henry Harold. That's a good Hankry. name too. Hankry is going Old. to. It's going to be busy. We'll just say that. He's yeah, not I'm going gonna to be, have... <laughs> I'm going to be real busy. He's not going to have uh, as much time to do the podcast with us, but that's okay. 
because he's going to have some other irons in the fire that are going to be really cool, really exciting. Some big time irons. Especially for maybe the person who left this comment who goes by Bumpy Buffalo. Huh. Interesting. 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 Very interesting and interesting. Hmm. The way you say that and the way I say that is very different. Yeah, I kind of skipped that first E. You say interesting. Oh, do I? Interesting. Oh, no. You skipped the first E. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, huh. that's pretty, I wonder what's right. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. All right. Well, that's probably, this is just probably a good Things got spot weird. for us to stop. Yep. Well, we get one more day of Harold Henry Hank. Hankry. Harold Henry Hank Hankry uh, on the podcast tomorrow because Zach is doing Greek things. He's doing something. Eating feta. We don't really know. Eating feta. Eating feta and euros. hanging with cats. Sharing his euros with cats. Yep. What what kind of alcohol do they drink in Greece? Is that wine? Oh, they're pretty close to the wine country. Like they're not. I bet you they have some like fancy. I feel like um, sangria would be popular mm, there. Yeah, because like Germany has like the beer, then there's like vodka over in like the east. I'm not sure. I want to say there's some Greek um, like after dinner style drinks. Huh. But I don't want to say anything stupid. So, anyways. That's he, that's the end. Zach had a few too many of those, though. Yeah. what my guess is. He's going to come back, like, all tan. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> too, it's too bad I'm not going to be around to see it. You'll see it. I'll see it. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us today on the BSN Broncos podcast. We appreciate you guys for listening. And give us a rating on iTunes. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Now is the right time. And also drink Breckenridge beers. Love you. Bye. It's getting me down. It's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. 
What's also ideal about Weinster is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. 